The following is a hoop ball presentation. Well, the Lakers sit in first place of the Western Conference as we transition back into the unofficial second half of the NBA season. Ethan Noroff back with you on the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast with my man JC DeLeon. JC, I know there's been a lot of talk about the Lakers buyout candidates and maybe some missed opportunities on the trade market and this and that and the other. But at the end of the day, 41 and 12, first place. Got to be feeling pretty good and something worth celebrating as we get ready for the action to return. Yeah, I think uh, we'll get into the Ulster game a little bit more, but I think the intensity at which that game ended uh, is is a perfect way to start to set the tone for the final 29 games of the season. You know, I think we should get kind of right into that and accelerate the conversation about the All-Star game because, you know, a lot of uh, detractors, shall we say, of the NBA All-Star game in the past, and some of those being actual basketball fans, have said it's, you know, not been entertaining and the players aren't really there to play, almost comparable to the NFL Pro Bowl, which is a joke. But I felt like this year with the change in format, and obviously the, the Kobe tribute was beautiful and continues to be beautiful, but I just felt like with the change in format and the intensity of the game, the fact that the MVP award was renamed after Kobe Bryant for the All-Star game, I felt like there were some players who were playing a little bit harder, and it was just a much more entertaining game. And obviously, although the ending was on the free throw by Anthony Davis, that was a very, very nice fourth quarter to watch. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like the the fourth quarter always tends to be more intensive defensively, and I'm and I'm not quite sure what it is about the way that this format redid things that made it more intense. Like I'm because the same thing kind of happened last year. Team Giannis had a, had a big lead over Team LeBron, and in the fourth quarter they came back and won. Um, when it when it started at one thirty three, one twenty four. Um, I thought I was like, this is only going to be interesting if LeBron team LeBron manages to kind of come back, which obviously they did. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess something about there being no time, uh, so there's no there's no way the it, some of the old strategies kind of were thrown out the window, being a pickup game style with no no time limit, and so that was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, like just the I, the defensive intensity was was crazy. I love the no time limit in the fourth quarter. I love the integration of the Elam ending, which has become famous for anyone who watches the basketball tournament. And, you know, it felt like they were all kind of out there in the fourth corner, fueled by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, JC. <laughs> you know, that, that's what we do here. We integrate the reads. This podcast, like all of our shows, brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Of course, you could check them out at their website, hawaiianisles.com. You could hit them up on Amazon for ser- just search Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. And you could even find them on Twitter at HI Kona Coffee. I mean, with that kind of fuel, you got to be out there playing with some level of intensity. And I know that a lot of those guys, especially Kawhi, I mean, Kawhi's first half was excellent. With He was just raining threes from downtown. And I think more than anything, those guys really wanted to win that MVP award. They wanted to win the money for charity. There was the right sort of tangible rewards on the line in, ter- in terms of fan interaction and player involvement. And I think it's a it's a pride thing at the end of the day, too, right? I mean, I know it's not East versus West. And personally, I kind of miss that nostalgia a little bit. But there's definitely a pride factor, too, because at the end of the day, you're getting drafted onto these teams. Yeah, and it makes for interesting moments. Uh, like there's a moment where Team LeBron kind of captured – all the momentum and Joel Embiid is walking away and, and Ben Simmons kind of comes up and slaps him on the butt because he's on the other team. So it, it, cre- it makes for, for unique moments like that. 
And, you know, I think in terms of fan involvement, it really brought fans into the game, into the experience. And I think that's what the NBA was going for. You know, the All-Star Weekend in its entirety. I mean, I'm not one for the celebrity game at this point. You can miss me on that. And I just think that's, you know, sort of a, a fan novelty at this point. If you're there for the weekend, you go maybe watch the game. But a TV event, it is not. I really think All-Star Saturday night, the dunk contest was spectacular. I know the ending was controversial, but it was a spectacular event. The three-point contest, I just feel like it's not quite long enough. I I, I personally liked the mountain ball, uh, mountain, mountain ball, mountain dew three-point ball. I thought that was kind of a fun integration, especially with the guys who were taking these shots from long range and, you know, kind of gave the contest another level that I hadn't seen before. But to go from eight guys to three guys to one guy, it feels like sort of incongruent to me. I feel like it should be eight to four to two. That would feel better for me. Mm -hmm. So that's a change that I'd like to see made. And, you know, the skills challenge, I mean, you can call it the Taco Bell skills challenge. You call it whatever you want, but what kind of skills involved in one chest pass through the through the tire target, <laughs> a layup, and then a three-point shot? I mean, good for Bam out of bio for winning it. I love the big man who wins it. But come on, JC, that's not entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, the skills contests have never never been in on. Um, even the yeah, the celebrity I've never watched. Um, I used to be really into the, the rookie versus sophomore, which is now Team USA versus Team World. But that has all the things that people complain about the regular All Star Game there being no defense and things like that. It's like elevated to eleven in the in that rookie sophomore game. Oh um, uh, yeah, and the quality of competition. I mean, I don't mean to poo poo either side of the equation, but with that particular format, I don't know if it's just the rookies and sophomores these days. But man, it's just I don't know. It's I feel like it's not what it used to be in terms of talent. So yeah, yeah. I'm and, I'm and out it, on the Friday night component. Yeah, and it's become. Um, that sort of thing. All the great highlights are just going to end up being on YouTube anyway. And so, like, I I, I didn't watch it, but I love seeing all the highlights and everything that, that John and Zion did. I think that was my first get off my lawn moment at 31 years old on this podcast. So I made it a long time. I want to congratulate myself for that. Oh, but all, here we all are. the stuff, all the stuff with TikTok is that is that with me. Like TikTok is the first app where I'm just like, nope, I don't like yeah. any, anything that those kids are doing on that app. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. I actually had an ex-student, quick story for you and the audience. I had an ex-student who showed me the one TikTok that he had that went viral. And it was literally him taking milk out of his refrigerator and pouring it onto his hand in the kitchen. Not a bowl of cereal, not into a container of any kind, but just over his hand spilling all, all over the floor. And it had like 3,000 views in 12 hours. And I just do not understand that, JC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a tough that's a tough one for me so all right we're gonna get off tiktok and back to the lakers because that's what we do best here definitely not the other when it comes to the lakers obviously 41 and 12 is a great place to be entering the all-star break you know we kind of went over the all-star weekend we didn't really discuss lebron james and anthony davis play in the all-star game i thought both of them obviously showed up to play anthony davis as we discussed a little bit earlier with the game winning free throw lebron had a nice little stat line and his uh, playing time during the game. And I think with the Lakers, you know, you, you kind of got a nice honor of the whole coaching staff being there for the weekend and the involvement of obviously the two big dogs. And I, what I liked about the All-Star game was, you know, we kind of got a preview of what was at one point supposed to be but never really was, which was Kawhi, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James's teammates. And, you know, of course, if you can hear that in the background, that's Max making his, you know, kind of regular entrance into this podcast at this point. My man <laughs> likes to make sure our house is nice and protected. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess if, if Kawhi would have gone to the Lakers, that would, would have made things a little unfair because it, yeah, at one point he ran, I think, a high pick and roll where Kawhi ended up being the ball handler and his options were LeBron on one side and AD on the other. Um, That's but, just not fair, man. Yeah. But, yeah, I think one of the things interesting about how competitive that fourth quarter ended up being is I think 
and I've heard a lot of people talk about how it, it looked like it kind of a microcosm of the way the playoffs have been in the past. Like James Harden and Russell Westbrook try, were trying to shoot a little bit too much and were shooting inefficiently. Giannis didn't score a single point in that entire fourth quarter. Um, wow. And that's, kind of, a great, that's a great little stat nugget there. And kind of the criticism on him is that in the playoffs, he's he either, like, once a team decides, you know what, we're just not going to let Giannis go coast to coast and dunk whenever he wants. Like, once a team collectively decides that, like you can, like can do in the playoffs, he's not fairly easy to shut down, but he's defendable. Um, and I so mean, I think, think that's where the development of his jump shot, although it's still obviously a work in progress, yeah. is going to try to separate him to the next level, right? As if there's a next level to unlock scary thought there. Yeah, but that's the other thing is like in, in it, at this point, he's still Giannis is not at that point yet. We're in a playoff game, 157 to 152. Your team needs a three. Is Giannis going to shoot that three? Probably not. Not yet. Yeah, that's a that's a tough proposition to sell. But you know, the good news for Bucks fans, Giannis and the whole NBA is that he's still young and you know the level of talent he has is otherworldly. So it'll be interesting to see if the Lakers keep there instead of Coupon around long enough for Giannis's free agency. But time will tell, and that's a story for a different day. You know, Anthony Davis obviously looked good, LeBron James looked good, no injuries, no concerns. Coaching staff had a nice break. Uh, with their opportunity to not only you know be around the all-star team but just sort of celebrate their own success now everybody comes back together in advance of picking things back up on friday here and i think the lakers find themselves in a good place but you know some people want to sit here and say the lakers missed out on an opportunity on the trade deadline which of course there were some interesting names exchanged as there always is but the reality is the lakers were you know very short on assets they had kyle kuzma on a baby contract that isn't going to move the needle when it comes to acquiring anyone of impact really and when it comes to any other options, you know, the Lakers didn't really have any bad contracts that they could package in a deal that would bring them a bigger name. Mm-hmm. And now you look at the buyout market and the Lakers could have been a player for Jeff Green, although he was floating out there for a while. So I feel like if the Lakers had interest, it would have been expressed by now. The Lakers could have been a player on Damari Carroll, but it seemed like he got his buyout with the Spurs and, you know, had already worked out a deal with Houston. And then you have Reggie Jackson with the news that he's being bought out by the Detroit Pistons. And the Los Angeles Clippers are about to acquire his services. Now, the Lakers were obviously reported to be interested in Jackson. Would have been a nice little pickup for the second unit playmaker. Never thought I'd be saying Reggie Jackson would be a nice pickup, but obviously in the circumstance, he'd be a nice pickup. But the reality is all of those options are luxury options for a team that has a very, very unique chemistry. And I would be hesitant, not not necessarily cautious, but I'd be hesitant to disrupt that chemistry in any way, given how things have gone so far. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think I think the only gettable option at the trading deadline was Marcus Morris, and the price would have been Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma, and that's that's way too much for Marcus Morris. I mean, um, it just never really even made sense to me that the Lakers would entertain the idea of swapping Kuzma for one year of Morris, let alone trading more for him. Yeah, and I and I forgot who it was on Twitter that said it, but it, it, basically, at the end of the day, no no trade is a lot better than a bad trade. No question. Yeah, and the, and the Reggie Jackson thing does kind of hurt, but only because I had been saying for weeks before Derrick Rose went on a tear of like 11 straight 20-point games, but I was like, he has a $7 million contract. He's a contributing player. Like, he's a prime buyout candidate, and I, I, I thought Detroit would do it, and I guess they're not gonna. I guess they still could, but yeah, I, and then he went on that really uh, great tear and was going to be worth something in the trade market. That didn't turn out to be, and so I was still hoping there was some buyout hope for Derrick Rose. Well, I think the the hesitance on the part of the Pistons is the fact that Rose is under contract for next year at a bargain price, 
Mills too. So the fact that they've been able to get this level of production over at him for seven and a half million dollars annual average value, assuming some level of health, right? You can't assume anywhere near full level of health with Derrick Rose, but mm-hmm. assuming some level of health and his ability to show similarly or comparably to what he's done this year and next year, you know he's going to be an asset to acquire at the trade deadline. And worst case scenario, you could buy him out at that point. Detroit is short on options and shorter on talent. So to buy out Derrick Rose, I feel like they would have had to get out of basically all of the money he was owed, at least. Yeah. It's a tough one. I mean, Reggie Jackson is, you know, not not a slouch by any means, but he was never the player. I mean, he hasn't been the player that he was expecting himself to be. Not that Detroit was the most opportune moment for his moment, but at the same time, that was the platform that he was given. And so, you know, he's going to go cross town to the Clippers, and the Lakers are going to sit here at forty-one and twelve. Although the Lakers did get some potentially uh, did get some potentially good news during the All Star break with Frank Vogel coming out and saying, "Hey, a healthy Demarcus." Cousins is a possibility for the postseason. Now, we kind of all knew that in the back of our minds that that potential could exist. And the way Vogel explained it, you know, it wasn't that he committed to anything, JC, but he definitely said it was a possibility. Now, obviously, DeMarcus Cousins is a talent, but he's coming off of two major injuries at this point. Mm -hmm. He's had no time on the floor with the Lakers players. Of course, in practice, he's had some time limited to what he's able to do at this point and moving forward. But he's had no playing time with these guys. So if you're the Lakers zooming out, are you tempted to bring back DeMarcus Cousins in the playoffs? And, you know, obviously we don't know what kind of role he could potentially have. But do you disrupt the dynamic at that point if he's healthy enough to play? Just kind of yes or no on that. Yeah, I think so. I think if he, if he can kind of create more minutes for JaVale and D- Dwight to play later and kind of spell them. And, and we have more minutes in which we have a, a true big, that uh, that'll only help. You know, it's interesting with JaVale and Dwight, and I'm glad you kind of hit us with that segue there, because a while back we sat here and had the discussion of should Dwight Howard be in the starting lineup. My position was yes, you were kind of, ah, let's keep JaVale in there, I like Dwight off the bench. But later on, you've kind of come to this, you know, let's not call it a realization, but sort of embracing the idea of Dwight starting. And before we went on air tonight, you and I were kicking this around and I said I wanted to revisit this topic because it's something that I would like to see. I feel like Dwight has been the much more effective player, especially of late. He's on a nice little stretch and it seems like it's a more conducive lineup in terms of the type of center that Anthony Davis is best suited to play with if he's not going to play the five himself. So, J.C., what do you think about Dwight starting? Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I think it creates more minutes where he's on the, the floor at the same time as LeBron because him and LeBron have been playing really well together. And so, sort of that scenario I meant that unfair scenario I mentioned with Kawhi. You have LeBron running pick and rolls to where now on one side he's got Dwight as an option, or Anthony Davis as an option who can either be a mid do, do a mid uh, midpoint uh, a mid range shot, a long range shot, or you know any any other option there in between. I think that's a lineup that other Lakers fans might want to see more of. And if the Lakers, I will say this, if the Lakers are planning to use AD extensively at the five during the postseason, at some point in this unofficial second half, and I always refer to it as such because it's a joke to call it the second half. We're we're already 50 plus games into the season here. So in the unofficial second half, at some point, the Lakers are going to have to give Anthony Davis more minutes at the five to see which combinations are exactly the most effective. Yeah, they're, they're starting to need to, to kind of pare down exactly what 
lineups are going to do for what purpose. And Frank Vogel, I think, has kind of alluded to that to where I think I think we're going to start to see Caruso play some of Rondo's minutes more, which uh, which I think I is hope good. So, man, I hope you. I hope you are right. And I know I'm speaking for a lot of Lakers fans when I say I hope you are right. And he's another one where if he's if he gets more minutes with LeBron too, he plays really well with LeBron. Like I think. It's it's asking a lot of him to of a lot a lot of LeBron to play so many minutes, but I think there there are certain guys if you really kind of break down them, they just play really well with him. If Caruso could hit the three consistently, I feel like he would have taken Rondo's minutes already. But he's been on a little bit of a cold streak from downtown. But he's still he's such an effective player without ever having to have a call played uh, a play called for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've 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 pointed out. I can't think of specific examples now, but I've I've called out when I've tweet when I've live tweeted games, things where that would never show up on a stat sheet. But like the way he'll he'll defend a much taller guy in the post, and he can just annoy the hell out of him and call, either create a he's just foul always or... in he's always in the right spot. Mm-hmm. You know, he guys like that who are just kind of you know scrappy cocos, right? They're just kind of out there digging at it. I always think of a baseball player from back in the day, David Eckstein. Dude was World Series MVP at 5 foot nothing and just annoyed the hell out of you, but he just got the job done and it wasn't necessarily pretty, but he just was always in the right spot and always seemed to be that dude. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. So, you can make a career out of that and making millions of dollars ain't a bad way to do it on national TV. So, look, the Lakers sit here. They're in a good spot. You know, it would have been nice to get some action on the buyout market, but obviously with Jeff Green and Damari Carroll in Houston now and Reggie Jackson on his way to the Clippers, I feel the Lakers are better to be patient. Iguodala obviously was traded to Miami. That was the big one. Joakim Noah is this guy who's still floating out there, but at this point, I don't think the Lakers really need a center. I feel like, you know, kind of wing or guard depth would obviously be the more preferable play. So we'll see. I, I saw a report today, actually, now that I bring this up, that you know, if the Knicks entertain the idea of buying out Mo Harkless, he could join the Lakers. What do you think about that? That I think would be would be good because yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with agreement with you where I don't think they need another center, especially if there's a possibility Demarcus might come back. So yeah, an athletic four who can play a three. Which is kind of where Jeff Green would have fit in, but yeah, I'm with you. They they had all that time to pick him up, and they never did, so there must not have never been any interest. Um, but yeah, I think I think Mo Harkless would be a good one, and it'd be a nice story for him to go from the Clippers to the Knicks and then back to the Lakers. I love the idea of Mo Harkless coming into the Lakers. If that's a guy who's brought out, I think the Lakers should be all over that because he fits the mold of what Iguodala would have been to this team right a three and d guy he stands in the corner he's enough of a threat to be guarded out there he does all the little things right you do have to sort of be concerned about harkless's health because he's a guy who could fill up the stat sheet for three or four straight games but then miss two or three in a row with a bad knee or a stretched out back or something like that so that's a concern but if you're getting a guy for the minimum there's a reason for it Mm -hmm. So that's where the Lakers find themselves. You know, they're going to operate as usual moving forward until if and when they have a candidate who, you know, catches their eye, so to speak. And and the Lakers are in a good spot. They've, they've been playing good basketball. They're playing purposeful basketball. They're still, in my opinion, a little too much 
allowing their opponents to dictate the rhythm of the game. That's been a pretty consistent criticism of mine throughout the year. I feel like the Lakers should come out with their brand of basketball a little bit earlier. But I also feel like LeBron has always been and continues to be one of those players who likes to survey the landscape before imposing his will, whatever that means on that given night. And, you know, Lakers are going to need a little bit more consistency from their role players, guys like Kuzma, obviously. But KCP, Caruso, even a guy like Troy Daniels when he gets in there, if Troy Daniels is playing 12 minutes a game and shooting multiple threes, he's got to hit multiple threes. Otherwise, those are kind of wasted minutes because that's all he's in there to do. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's kind of where the Lakers have to go is development of those role players around the edges and i'm curious to see in this unofficial second half jc if lebron and ad start to play a little less if the lakers can increase their lead in the western conference and or the lakers can maybe circle a game or two where it might be prudent for one of those guys to sit out i don't think you're gonna have too many nights if any nights where they both sit out barring some injury knock on wood to either or both of those guys or at the very end of the year when the lakers seating position is set but I would not be surprised if the Lakers try to find ways for them to play a little bit less as we move forward here, just in an effort to get ready for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good bet. Speaking of bets, JC, I know you were all <laughs> over it before we started taping. Oh, yeah, for sure. So where do we find ourselves in the mybookie.ag platform? Because I know you're active and earning money in there. And if you don't know what that is, <laughs> JC's going to tell you what that is. Yeah, so mybookie.ag is partnering with uh, Hoopball. You can create an account and sign up for them with the promo code today. Uh, Hoopball has a new Hoopball Gaming uh, podcast, uh, appropriately called Hoopball Gaming. They record every day. It's two guys, Ira Silverman, and uh, I'm blanking on the other gentleman's name, but Ira Silverman is the main gambler on that show. Uh, they record really early in the morning, uh, I think, and I think they're on West Coast time. So early in the day, you can listen to the pod. It's usually 25 to 30 minutes. You get the get the picks for the day. And then towards the end of the day, Ira at Ira Silver Magic on Twitter will give out his picks for free on Twitter. And I can tell you personally, his picks are fire. Fire. Putting money in JC's pocket. And I got to stand by the name Ira because that's my dad's name. And that is a strong, strong brand to stand behind. Yeah, for sure. JC? How do you feel about the Lakers coming out of the break? Are you an over-under man? Are you total points guy? Do you like to look at spreads? How do you like to do it? Well, it it's weird. I I, I don't gamble on the Lakers a lot because I've because then it I, I get too much into my head and then it's the thing with gambling is you're always told to to gamble with your head, not with your heart. And so, ah, uh, if only it were that easy. Yeah, my uh, so my my heart tends to to disagree with my head a lot when it comes to to betting on the Lakers. I I have a couple of times if I can. Kind of get the general sense uh, tone of a game. Uh, the last game the Lakers played uh, before the All Star break, actually, I had a um, I had an inkling they were going to come back in the second half, and so I had bet them to uh, to win the second half because I believe that game was tied at halftime, and so that ended up being a good bet. And so I think at halftime, if I can get a general sense of where the game's going, or if it really seems like the Lakers are going to turn it on in the second half, uh, those are pretty good bets. Live bets, you're that dude, JC. <laughs> I think we I think we all love it. Yeah. And, and uh-huh. Ira's a good uh, good live better too. Just follow him like while games are going on, and he'll uh, he'll let you know. Hey, excellent. We got to get Ira's Twitter count up. That guy deserves more publicity. Again, great name, great picks, fire emojis across the board. You can't really ask for much more than that, can you, JC? Nope, not at all. <laughs> so you know the Lakers. Look, we find themselves in a good spot, and I think more than anything. 
this is a group that needs to continue to just do what they've been doing. I, I know it sounds simple, but consistency is one of the greatest abilities in any professional sports league, really in any line, any line of life, right? To be able to do something excellently and consistently is very rare. That's why it's a separator and an indicator of success. So I think when you're looking at this Lakers team, you want more of what has worked. And I think, you know, I don't really have much criticism of this coaching staff. It, it's worked well with Jason Kidd and Lionel Hollins and Phil Handy up and down the entire staff under, under Frank Vogel. The one thing I will say about them in terms of any kind of critique is that I would like them to be a little bit more flexible with their in-game rotation sometimes. I feel like it's too scripted almost sometimes, and there isn't that in-game adjustment dependent upon uh, opponent. But beyond that, I think they've done a pretty damn good job. Yeah, and I think part of that might just be kind of the way LeBron's played his whole career. Like, he's always going to play most stuff, if not all, the first quarter and sit the beginning of the second quarter. But you know, uh, think, did you know? Have you noticed that they tweaked his substitution pattern a little bit in the first quarter? So they're taking him out a little bit earlier, and then he's coming back. Yeah, I have noticed that, and so I think I think that's an interesting adjustment, and I think that also kind of sets the tone for the second half, in which if they've been coming out slowly, I think that's when they'll institute that substitution pattern, so they can kind of get generate some momentum for the second half. Yeah, and I think you know Frank Vogel has done a really good job of sort of warding off some of the doubters. Now, of course, having Anthony Davis and LeBron James on your team is going to help with that. But I think there was a lot of skepticism about Frank Vogel. I know, you know, going back and listening to what I had to say about him is that Frank Vogel's a damn good coach, but, you know, he got this job under very specific circumstance. Everybody expected Ty Lue to get the job. Then it was Monty Williams. And then all of a sudden, Frank Vogel was the head coach of the Lakers. And it wasn't really the sexy hire, but it sure feels like it's been the right hire for this group. Yeah, and then one thing that's never an accident is is defense because defense is kind of mostly all effort, and so at this point of the season, you can't you can't say that the way this team plays half court defense is a fluke because that's clearly what um, Vogel's philosophy is, and they've they've bought into that. And I think Frank Vogel is very happy to be a personality instead of the personality on this team in a lot of other circumstances, right? Like if Jason Kidd was the head coach of this team, he would be a dominating personality. And on a team that already has LeBron James and and Anthony Davis and guys like Kyle Kuzma who do stuff off the court, right? Dwight Howard, redemption story, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like the head coach doesn't need to be just another guy, but he needs to not be the star of the show. Yeah, I think I think it's all a good, perfect mi- mix of, uh, and it's kind of one thing we talked about before, where this was a remarkably drama-free team, which is which is atypical of of, of things LeBron has been through in his career. Um, yeah, this team is all business. There's not a whole lot of extracurriculars going on. Uh, yeah, and it's nice to see because it puts the position for or the Lakers in a position for continued success. And I think more than anything, you know, the Lakers. They're going to continue to monitor the buyout market, as we've talked about. The trade deadline has come and passed. But the avenues to improve this Lakers team externally, we knew were always going to be tight. And that's why it's important and continues to be important for the Lakers role players to step up and support LeBron James, Anthony Davis, nightly efforts. Because the reality is they're going to need those level of contributions in the playoffs where they're going to face a variety of teams with different styles. And they're going to need different players to step up in order to keep it going toward the ultimate goal here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, you know, the second half, obviously the Lakers sort of can hit the reset button along with the rest of the NBA. You have the ability to move forward, not necessarily uh, in terms of emotions from Kobe Bryant's uh, passing along with Gianna and all the other victims of that terrible tragedy. 
but you have the ability to reset a little bit and you've separated basketball from work, from life a little bit more now that time has passed. You know, loss is never comfortable, but with time, things start to become more normal, for lack of a better way to say it. And I think now the Lakers as a team can sort of galvanize around that and continue to fuel themselves forward because as if they were, were not playing with purpose before, JC, they're obviously playing with that much more of a purpose now. Yeah, and and LeBron's kind of spoken to that before. Kind of every any chance he gets, he sort of mentions how how you know he could feel kind of Kobe with this team. Uh, said that when he had that um, that photogenic dunk a few a couple weeks ago, and then in his post game presser after the All Star game, sort of he's like, yeah, you could you could feel being out there. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely on their minds, and they have a focus. There's no question about it. I just put the sticker up on my door at work. I got the mural up above that, and I just went to Lids, JC. And if you didn't know about this, I encourage everybody to sort of go in and do your thing. Lids is doing free embroidery Kobe Bryant tribute logos. They have like 12 or so pre-done logos that you can choose from. You can go in and buy a hat, or you can just bring in one of your own hats Go in and get it done absolutely free as a tribute to Kobe Bryant. I thought that was beautiful. That's awesome. That's actually really cool. I I personally, unfortunately, am not really a hat guy, but that's that's cool. Like that's that awesome. Is, I thought that was super cool. I myself didn't even know about it, and if I didn't know about it as the Lakers guy, the guy who has every sports update programmed into his phone, all that, this, that, and the other, you know, I don't know that they've done the best job publicizing it, but. It's a beautiful thing that they're doing. They should definitely get more credit for it. And the fact that you don't even have to buy a lid, you can just walk in with your own, I think is totally awesome. So I'm going to, I wound up buying my, uh, bought my own, a, a black flex fit, real kind of a dad hat, if you will. And with the logo that's going to be on the side, because I just wanted it to, the hat to sort of speak on its own and not mix it up with anything else. Okay, so cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at these online. Man, these are cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I encourage everybody to go in, sort of make sure you get your tribute to Kobe Bryant if you have not done so in different ways already. And until the action resumes, JC, I say we kick back, enjoy the rest, and start dissecting after the ball start bouncing again. How's the sound? Yeah, for sure. Do you want to uh, kind of real quick go over the schedule just to see what's coming up for the next uh, four or five games? Hit me with it. Uh, let's see. So we have, I should have put that up. Uh, all right, we have – so, yeah, games resume Thursday, but the Lakers uh, start on Friday. Uh, <laughs> man, they have a lot of home games, it seems. Uh, they are home for the first three games of this post-All-Star break. Uh, so they play Memphis on Friday, Sunday on twenty on the 23rd. They play the Celtics, uh, 1.30 tip-off uh, for you California guys, uh, that game. And then – Tuesday the 25th, this hopefully should be the first meeting of Zion and LeBron. Uh, the Pelicans come to Los Angeles. Um, that's the game I went to for Thanksgiving. I was really hoping to see Zion's first appearance to, to play against LeBron, and that didn't, unfortunately wasn't in the cards. But, yeah, he's been playing really well, probably better than I think people expected for him to come out, especially post-injury, and so that should be a really good game. It's going to be an entertaining stretch right out of the gate. And there's no question Zion has an impact on the game that you know, I think a lot of people expected him to have a sizable impact. But at the same time, I don't think they expected this level of impact. I mean, he's out here literally bending the rim the other day. He's a star everywhere he goes. He's already playing big minutes for the Pelicans. And, you know, I don't I don't know how many games the Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Drew Holiday trio can win. 
but I am certainly intrigued by it. Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely some growing pains. I think once for for Brandon Ingram, once Zion has has come back, I think he's ironically, I think he's the one who's got to adjust the most to it. Which I'm not sure how he feels about that, having you know been the star draft pick, and then LeBron comes, and then now he's behind the star draft pick of Zion because he's having a great year, and he's. I was awesome. one who didn't really believe in, in, in Brandon Ingram, and he's kind of turned me around this season. Yeah, all-star year for Brandon Ingram. He's a hell of a player. He's a guy I never wanted the Lakers to lose, but that's a course of business when you're dealing for Anthony Davis, and I think you know he's going to have to adjust again with Zion, but I think the Pelicans would be smart to evaluate his role. I think you alluded to it well because he was so successful before Zion's return in terms of his featured role, and I think maybe Zion, at least offensively right now, should be the one to adjust around him. Ingram has shown that he can be the number one scorer. He can be a facilitator. He can impact the game in a variety of ways. He's having a great season across the board, and I would hate to see that development sort of disrupted for the sake of not only Ingram but also for the Pelicans. Yeah, and assuming the Pelicans do make a late pu- push coming to the regular season, this could be a one-eight matchup potentially. So, all right. So, so on that note, before we get out of here, JC Lakers first five games out of the break. Give me a record for the Lakers first five games. Go. Uh, so those are the first three. I think. I mean, we'll say two and one. Maybe that Celtics game to kind of trip up early, early start time, uh, one thirty in Los Angeles. And then the next two games on the road after that are Golden State and Memphis. And so, yeah, I'd say 4-1 and one is a realistic uh, number for the first uh, five games post-All-Star. I'm going to go 4-1 and one with the Celtics game circled like you. Also, that game at Memphis is going to be a tough one to play. They're going to be hyped up. So Lakers really need to come in focus, make sure they don't let a road game slip away against a team that they should beat. But you can say that about most teams when you're in first place. That's going to do it for us. This was a beautiful return. We appreciate you being with us on the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast. If you're not already following us on Twitter, what are you doing? Follow us on Twitter at Hoop Ball Lakers. You can find me at Ethan underscore Noroff, N-O-R-O-F, and JC at JC Daily on One. We both have cats. I also have a dog. There's a lot of interesting things that happen on Twitter. You don't want to miss out, right, JC? <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Hit us there and then find us on the podcast. Until next time. We out. Enjoy the hoops. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.